0: have an anointing from the Holy One. Now, what is that anointing for? Because Jesus dwells in us, the anointed one. You and I have the same mission, just a different location. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Well, listen, it's great to see you guys. So we're going to just, listen, there's a lot going on today. So for time's sake, we're going to pray, and I'm going to do my best to get up on my pony and move this thing. And so, yeah, I'll try to pace myself and not talk too fast. You guys didn't know Southerners could talk fast, did you? Yeah. Anyways, let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for just who you are. God, you're incredible. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for your presence here today. Father, we thank you that you love each one of us, Lord, and you desire to minister and speak to us. And so, Lord, today we just open up our hearts wide. And uh, Lord, wherever we're at with you, God, on our journey, God, maybe we're Maybe we're curious. Maybe we have, uh, you know, have been in for 40 years. God, wherever we're at today, Lord, we just pray that you would speak loud and clear to us today, God, in a real and a personal way. And Father, we just pray that your name will be honored in the house today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, uh, if you were here last week, you might remember that we talked about God's grace. As we begin today, I just simply want to say this. that. It's important for us to understand that when we hear that word grace, that there's not necessarily one definition or one expression that fully reveals or fully shows what we would like to call the fullness of God's grace. And in fact, if you are a believer here today, then you know from experience, that guess what, that from the first expression of God's grace that you ever experienced was what is more commonly known as saving grace. Can somebody say saving grace? Listen, this is where you and I, you know, completely unknown to us, you and I were dead in our sins. We were what the Bible calls a long ways off, man, from God. We were doing our own thing. We were, you know, living for ourselves. But the Bible says that God loved us so much that guess what he did? That he demonstrated his kindness, his favor towards you and I. Even when we didn't deserve it by doing what? By dying on the cross for our sins, right? And, uh, you know, all we had to do is when that revelation light came on is simply to receive it by faith. And guess what happened? You and I got a new lease on life. That's grace, right? And in fact, the Bible says this in Ephesians 2.8 to describe this expression of grace. We said this last week. But it says this. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. But let me just ask you this. How many of you guys know that just because you got saved, it doesn't mean that, you know, all of a sudden, poof, that immediately you lost all desire and, uh, you know, all ability to sin? Right? The, the opposite is true. In fact, the, the big difference that, you know, before you came to Jesus to then you began to walk with Jesus was simply this, is the same sin that you used to do now convicted you. In fact, if, if uh, you know it, if you've been there, that was actually proof of your salvation, right? If if you came to Jesus and you kept on doing what you were doing, something didn't stick, right? But if, but if God came inside of you, guess what? He is opposite of this world, and immediately when you went to go do things, there was conviction that would come. If you know what I'm talking about, say, "Oh yeah." yeah. Listen, that that's where the second expression of God's grace began to kick in in our lives, and because. Rather than leaving us in this struggle or what we said last week of this struggle, defeat, struggle, defeat, just in this sin cycle, what did God do? God released his empowering or his enabling grace into our lives to help us overcome and to help us gain victory over the sin that once had us bound, right? So, so if you can understand, maybe before we cruise on here, that it was the combination of conviction and grace that, that was essential to our spiritual growth, right? It, it, was, it was the bottom line that God convicted us and his empowering grace came. That is what helped you and I begin to walk out of the old man and into the new man of what the Bible calls sanctification, right? In fact, we see this second expression of grace found in Romans chapter 6, it simply says this. It says, sin is no longer your master. Clearly, before you knew Jesus, sin was your master, right? And fast forward in that verse, it says, now instead you live under the freedom of God's what? Not, not the undeserving, but under the enabling or the empowering grace. In other words, God's grace, that expression comes, and it allows you to rise above the sin that's amen. in your life. If you know what I'm talking about, say Amen. Listen, once again, Paul brought these two verses uh, or two two expressions of grace, sorry, together in the verse uh, that we read last week in Titus, chapter 2, verse 11. It simply says this. It says, for the remarkable or the undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That's the first expression, right? And then it says it. What is it? It's talking about the enabling and the empowering grace teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives, lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in this present age. That's the second expression. Now, as incredible and as life-changing as all of that is, guess what? God's grace didn't stop there. Right? In spite of what you know we might believe today, I want you to know that God actually has more for us in this life than just being good. Right? So many, I see so many Christians that just their, their goal is to be good. And I want you to know God's goal for your life is more than you just to be good and that hopefully you can get, earn a paycheck so you can survive for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 plus years so you can somehow pay the bills and feed yourself, right? And, and hope that by the end of the day that hopefully, you know, I was good enough, right, that, uh, you know, when I die, I go to heaven. Doesn't work that way. So, so if you don't hear anything today, remember this simple statement, What God has saved us to is always greater than what he has saved us from. What God has saved us to is always greater than what he has saved us from. So because I believe that's true, I want to take the next few minutes and I want to unpack what I believe is the third expression of God's grace towards us. And um, to do so, I want to quickly read four passages of scripture. And so they're kind of lengthy, so heads up. Three of them are here. We go. The first one is found in one Peter four ten. Just jot these verses down. It says, "Every believer." Can somebody say, "Every believer"? Every can we say it like we mean it? Every believer every has received what grace gifts. It says so. Use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of God's grace. Now, what are these grace gifts, okay? Because it it does us no good to just know that there's something there and actually not know what they are. So let me show you what Romans 12, 6 says. It says, God's marvelous grace imparts to who? Each one of us, varying gifts and ministry. Get that. We all have gifts and ministries. Does it not say that? It says, that are uniquely ours. So if God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, you must activate your gift by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. And then it says in verse 7, if your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. If you have the grace gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it often to encourage others. If you have the grace gift of giving to meet the needs of others then may you prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. This says, if you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. And if you have the gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. Now, this little note put in your brain, theologically, these are what, uh, these gifts are actually considered the Father's gifts that he gives, the Father's grace gifts. Now, let's look at what uh, the Bible calls actually in the Greek the charismata or the uh, charismatic or the grace gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to each one of us. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, the same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through who? Somebody say it. Each believer, believer, right? Each believer is what? Gift and ministry. You see the correlation here. Each ministry is gift and ministries as He energizes and activates them. He is the Holy Spirit. It says, each believer is given continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just Himself, but all. It goes right back to 1 Peter 4. It says, for example, the Spirit gives to one the gift of the word of wisdom, to another, the same Spirit gives the gift of the word of revelation knowledge. And to another, the same Spirit gives the gift of faith, and to another, the same Spirit gives gifts of healing. And to another, the power to work miracles, and to another, the gift of prophecy, and to another, the gift to discern what the Spirit is speaking And to another, the gift of speaking different kinds of tongues. And to another, the gift of interpretation of tongues. And it says, remember, it is the same Holy Spirit distributes, activates, and operates these different gifts as he chooses for who? Each believer. Then lastly, let's look at what is considered in the theological world the grace gifts. In other words, what Jesus gives to the church. The difference here is this. Is these are offices, and it's not just a gift that someone has. Uh, when you look at this theologically, these people are a gift to the church. Okay, So it says this in Ephesians 4. It says, and he has generously given each one, talking about Jesus, each one of us supernatural grace. Referring to all the stuff we just read. According to the size of the gift of Christ. Fast forward. Now we go to offices. It says and he has appointed some. See the difference? Not every believer, but some with grace to be apostles. And some with grace to be prophets. And some with grace to be evangelists. And some with grace to be pastors. And some with grace to be teachers. And then it says these grace ministries will function when? Until we all attain oneness in the faith. Let me just give one thought here, okay? If all these things have passed away, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit wasted a lot of Paul's time in teaching us how to operate in these things. Just a thought, okay? So, so real quick, I know that was a lot, so we're just going to throw up another slide. I know some of y'all like to take pictures. That's all of them that were just listed, okay? So if you want to take a picture, I don't know why teachers underline, but man, it's gifted right now, okay? So uh, if you want to take a picture, you can, all right? All right now now what now what does God want us to learn about this third expression of grace? What does He wants to learn uh, from these four passages? Uh, first of all, I believe this. Number one, that every believer has received. In other words, that every believer, all of us, every one of us in here that believe in Jesus, we have been given or gifted with one or more of these grace gifts. Okay. Therefore, the third expression that we're talking about of God's grace towards us comes in the form of gifts. Somebody say gifts. So listen, if you're sitting here today and while we were reading through those things, if you were scratching your head wondering, man, do I have any of those? Do I have any of those gifts? You know, I'm not sure. I want you to know that that's not in question, right? It's not a question. The Bible makes it clear that God himself has already deposited one or more of those gifts within you. Now, uh, those gifts may be laying dormant in your life. They may need to be stirred up. But without a doubt, they're there. Right? So the second thing we can learn is this. And this is important. uh, That we didn't earn or deserve these gifts. That we didn't earn or deserve these gifts. I I never worked hard enough to earn this spot. Right? I I didn't earn it. Truth is, I didn't want it. All right? So, so li- listen, so the, the key here is that every gift and every ability that you and I have is nothing more and nothing less than a result of God's grace in our lives, right? And every single one of them are free, okay? That's why it's called grace or undeserved gifts because God decided in his own sovereignty to show us favor and to show us kindness when you and I didn't deserve it, Right? So a, a verse here that most of us probably know, James one seventeen, simply says this. It says that every good and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father. Now, why is that important? Why is it important that you and I grab a hold of this revelation that it was free? It's because when, when we realize that we didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it, it's really hard to take credit for it. So, so when you understand that God gave it to you, it's real easy to stay humble, and it's real easy to remain grateful for what you have. Amen? Amen? Amen. Third thing that we can learn here is that these gifts come with a purpose. Please don't miss this. These gifts come with a purpose. Listen, because God is an intentional God, he never does anything meaningless. Uh, you, you know, I don't understand it why we think, well, that, there's no happenstance with God. He is an intentional God, yes? So, so you and I can rest assured today that this, that when he created us, he not only handpicked these grace gifts for us, but, but he also had in mind uh, our calling. And, uh, and so listen, let me say it this way, that when he created us, he said, this is what they're called to do, and these are the gifts they're going to need to do. So listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose and I'm going to place them in them very attentionally, if that makes sense. Yes. All right? So to be maybe more specific and more clear, uh, it's this. Before God deposited these grace, grace gifts in us, he carefully considered uh, the natural abilities he gave us. Everybody, don't miss this, um, because every person, theologically, every person that's been created has, uh, once again, saved or unsaved, has experienced God's grace. Okay, and it's called a common grace, which means this: <clears throat> um, you know, President Trump. All right, He's the first guy that comes to my mind. God, God graced him with the ability of leadership and entrepreneurship. Right? Uh, if you if you take, uh, you know, whatever singer, here I go for the the ladies' hearts, Michael Bolton or Bolton, whatever his name is, all right? God graced that man with the ability to sing. Adele, God grace her with the ability to sing. You know, whoever, uh, Elvis for all you older folks. All right, anyways, grace him to sing, right? So, watch this, someone who can swing a hammer. That's God's grace. Someone who can work on a computer, God's grace. Someone who can cook, that's God's grace. Those things are common graces. Now, what happens so often is when those people get born again, you'll see those things potentially be used for the kingdom, but they were just common graces that God gave originally, right, when he created them. All right, so watch this. So when it comes to us, once again, before God deposited these grace grace gifts in us, he carefully considered the, the natural abilities he gave us, along with every assignment he would ever place before us to help us, uh, you know, to help us have what we need to be uh, successful in his purpose for our lives, right? So, So it's easy for you and I to see basically this. That when we're walking in the will of God, whether we find ourselves in in the world of medicine, right, in the world of sports here, in the world of finance, or maybe in building and design, maybe the world of literature or arts, maybe we're in government, maybe it's education, real estate, media, maybe we're fishermen, maybe we're a homemaker, maybe we do work in the church. Uh, Wherever it may be, listen, we can be confident that God has given us every single thing that we need, not only to be a blessing to others, but also so that we would be successful in representing Him Right. As we partner with him and the advancement of his kingdom on the earth. Right. And so I, I want to be clear about something before we budge here. Uh, there's there's no wherever you're at today. There's no secondary calling in any of that. All right, that should encourage you. you you're not Sure. All right, listen, that, that, that there's no secondary call in any of that, that you and I all fit together like a puzzle to help fulfill, right, God's complete picture, God's complete purpose on the earth. That's why we need each other. We are the body, right? In fact, if you, if you go back to what we read in Corinthians 12, that's why Paul goes out of the nine gifts of the Spirit, and he goes right into using the description of the body, Right of, of a human body, when the hand says to this and the eye says to this, is because we all need each other. Yes. Amen. All right, so let's shift gears here a little bit. Am I talking too fast? No. Yes. All right. <laughs> all right. Listen. So e- even though God has deposited these gifts of grace in us, right, they still need one more expression of grace to work, and to function properly. And, and so that fourth expression, if you're taking notes, that fourth expression of God's grace is called the anointing. It's called the anointing. I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, and I finally, uh, after about six months, feel released to do so. I wish I had about another hour, but we'll get in what we get in here, okay? So the fourth expression of God's grace is called the anointing. And so if the truth be told, without the anointing on our grace gifts, they can be best characterized as this, as powerless, useless, and ineffective. So all those gifts that God has given us, (laughs) those grace gifts, if the anointing doesn't come, what's the point, right? So if if this is hard for you to believe, I want you to think about something. When, When Jesus, the Son of God, right, when he was born in that little manger, right, in Bethlehem, Listen, God the Father had already deposited, for lack of better words, every grace gift that he would ever need to fulfill his assignment as Savior of the world, right? But, but I want you to notice something, that, that he didn't heal a single person, that he didn't perform one miracle, he didn't cast out one demon, he didn't even preach the gospel until he was anointed by the Holy Spirit at his water baptism. Yeah. So listen, if you remember, it wasn't until after that anointing that we read about in Matthew chapter 3 that he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day. They handed him the scroll of Isaiah. He unrolled it, found the place in Isaiah 61. But he said this, and this is Luke 4. He said this. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because He what? He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And I love what the Bible says. He closed it, handed it back, and sat down. And 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 history says He sat down in the seat that was only for the Messiah. Pretty good moment, right? And then He said these powerful words. Today, this is fulfilled in your ears. Right? So, the point that I want to make is instantly all the gifts that were laying dormant in Jesus's life, all those gifts that were inactive, guess what? They became active when the anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon him. So that bears the question for us to ask this, is if that happened with Jesus, then wouldn't it make sense that that's going to happen with us too? Absolutely, right? So the anointing... Right When it comes upon us, when, it, when basically it's the anointing that causes our grace gifts to not only be active, but once again to be powerful, to be useful, and to be effective. Now, maybe you're sitting here today, like a while ago, you were going, do I have a gift? Maybe you're sitting here going, do I have an anointing? I'm not really sure. I, I want to encourage you with a verse out of 1 John. It says this in 2.20. It says, but you, draw a blank, put your name there. But you, Okay? Have an anointing from the Holy One. Does it get any clearer than that, gang? You, are y'all, are y'all away? Does it get any clearer than that? You have an anointing from the Holy One. Now, what is that anointing for? What does that anointing accomplish? In John 20, 21, it says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. So, how the Father send him? Look back at Luke 4. I've been anointed to preach the gospel, right? Go down the list to bind the wrong heart. Boom, boom, boom. Booty for your asses. You can go all the way to Isaiah 61. So here's the deal. You and I, because Jesus dwells in us, the anointed one, you and I have the same mission, just a different location. And that different location is where he's assigned you. Amen? So let's answer one more very important question. Maybe the word anointing is new for you. So let's talk about what is the anointing. What is the anointing? I, I, you know, through studying, I don't know, I probably had 10 different definitions. But I'm going to give you a simple one that fits for me and, uh, and I believe fits for us and it makes it easy. The anointing is simply this. It's the touch and the power of God on our lives to fulfill his purpose. It's the touch and the power of God on our lives to fulfill his purpose. If you want to put there, it is a supernatural thing. It is not natural. It is supernatural. Listen, if you're, if you're sitting here today and you've experienced the anointing of God in your life, th- then you know what it's like to literally feel the life and the power of God flow through you and around you in an unmistakable way. In, in-, in fact, I- I'll say this. It, it is, it is uh, a feeling like nothing else. Yes, it-, it-, it is unexplainable. It is different, and it's powerful, and once you've encountered it, you don't want to live without it. In fact, I'll just maybe say this. I love what the late Leonard Ravenhill said. He said, what is unction? Unction was the word that the, that the old guys used because that's what the, new, uh, sorry, the King James Version used. The unction, the anointing. What, he said, what is the unction of God? He said, I hardly know myself, but I know when it's not upon my own soul. And man, if you've ever done anything in ministry in this room, you know what it's like to get up in the anointing to be there and to get up in the anointing not to be there. And one's miserable and one is exhilarating. So here's the thing. When when the anointing comes upon us, right, uh, an uncommon clarity, an uncommon discernment, an uncommon insight and wisdom, an uncommon confidence and authority, we'll just say this, and uncommon, uncommon abilities that we don't have otherwise begin to come. They begin to happen, right? And uh, that's why the Bible says this. It says again again that when the Spirit of the Lord came upon people, they became different people, right? And so well, watch this. It's, it's the, that the anointing doesn't just make a difference. The anointing makes you different, right? And once again, if you've ever been there, you know what it's like to go in there, and then to come out and you go, man, that wasn't me, right? There, there's been times, and listen, I know everybody in the room is not a preacher, but there's times or, or maybe even witness someone, you, you're almost hearing yourself say things. You're, you're hearing as they're hearing it because it's just the anointing doing what the anointing does, right? And, and so I'll, I'll just maybe say this. Uh, when the anointing is working in our life, our grace gifts and even our common gifts, they begin to function and flow with ease. A function and flow with ease. There's no strain or fatigue attached to them. In fact, that's why when the anointing is on you heavy and you do what God called you to do and you walk away, it feels like a dump truck hits you. Because in the moment, you could do it for hours. But when you walk away, it lifts, and then reality comes back to you, right? So anyway, it's this. When the anointing is on you, you don't have to force anything. When the anointing is on you, you don't have to kick down any doors or work anything up. What is typically unnatural and extraordinary on the you know every given day, uh, when the anointing comes, it seems very natural. Am I explaining this okay? Yeah. So let, let me give you kind of how the anointing um, can be experienced. Okay, let's say from anywhere. I'm just going to pick on a nurse here, really quick. Let, let's say a, a nurse is walking down the hall in a hospital. She's on her way, right, to just complete her everyday normal task. When all of a sudden she senses God's tangible presence come upon her, right, and so she continues her work, uh, you know, as normal, right. But it's with this knowledge that guess what? That there's a special touch of God that's on her. Now, what will happen is, is if you lock in there, God will begin to give them insight and show them things that they wouldn't know otherwise. So, so it could be from that. Uh, you, You know, you can get that if you're swinging a hammer. You can get that if you're on a boat. You can get that. The anointing comes for, but but there's always once again a purpose attached to it. There's a reason it comes. So, so it could be that, or it could be this. Let's say you're talking to someone. And automatically, you know, you may not define it this way, but you begin to know things about them that you wouldn't know otherwise. And what it is is the Bible describes that as a word of knowledge. It's something that's in their past or it's in their present, and you have no clue, that, you know, that about them. They never told you. You never met them, whatever. But God begins to download something in you. You begin to speak it. They begin to cry. God begins to minister to them. That's the anointing that's using the grace gift of a word of knowledge in your life, right? It could also be this. Let's say you're praying for someone, and they get healed. Or maybe you're praying. And deep intercession comes upon you. Maybe you're just sharing the gospel with someone. Maybe you're just loving on someone, and God begins to fill your mouth. All those things, the anointing can hit. Once again, it's it's an endless list. Yeah. Yes. So so listen. I have I have personally had the anointing range from literally doing this. Someone here. You know the Bible says, and then have an absolute. Um, all I can say is a powerful electricity hit my body. And I feel electricity running through my body and preach like a man on fire. All the way. So I've had that, right? That where you're preaching, where you're praying for people for hours and God's just all on you. I've had it that way. And I've had it all the way to just a subtle, peaceful presence resting on me as I'm studying and preparing a sermon. to thing can engage all the way. But, but here's the key. Is that in any case, we, we never really know when the anointing's going to come. And we don't know when it's going to leave. And typically, it, it leaves as fast as it came. <laughs> Right? And it's key if you're ministering, when it leaves, you need to get done. Right? And so that's not always easy to know. But listen, but, but one thing is for sure is that when the anointing comes, it's unmistakable. And, and it always leaves us with the knowledge, that guess what, that there is no way that wasn't me that completed that task. It was God. Right? And, and so if I can maybe say it this way, and then we'll move, that, that it was God's supernatural grace moving through us, as he deployed the gift he deposited in us for his purpose. You get that? So in other words, you're doing your normal life, you end up in a spot, God says, now's the moment, and that gift he deposits in you, he pulls on that thing and he anoints you. That gift begins to flow, you're done with the assignment, it lifts you, move on. Not making any sense. All right. So so I think I think with all that in mind. Here's, here's the things that I want, I've been wanting to talk about, and I want us to consider a few questions. So first thing is this, is do we know what our grace gifts are? Do we know them? Do we know what our grace gifts are? If we're sitting here today, have we spent time with God? Have we sought God? And do we know what our grace gifts are? If he's, it, listen, if, if um, this may sound so stupid. Um, if, if, if I said, uh, No. Whatever, I'm picking on you, Tommy. So I say, hey, Tommy. Um, you, you know, hey, in, in your guitar case, I dropped some keys. I gave you a car. Now, 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 wouldn't you want to know at some point what kind of car did I get? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. This healing, Jesus' name, right? I'm just picking on you, all right? So, 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 think, think about that for a second. Since uh, if somebody gave me a car, I'd want to know, right? And, and I wouldn't want to run outside and see the old jalopy sitting there either, right? I'd want to say, man, what did I get, right? Whatever example. So, so listen, if God gave you something like that, wouldn't you know what it is? Because it's definitely way better than a car. Wouldn't you want to know, right? Wouldn't you be curious? Second question I think we need to ask ourselves is this. Is once we've located it, are we satisfied and content with the gifts that we have? That's huge. Are we satisfied or are we content with what we've been given? Next thing is have we come to terms with our call and our current assignment? Do we have peace in our heart about our call and our current assignment? And lastly, this is huge, do we realize the limitations of our anointing? Do we realize the limitations of our anointing? Now listen, I realize that all that may sound like it's a negative slant, but the truth is it's not because there's liberty in all of that. If you can answer those questions, there will be the greatest liberty and greatest freedom you've ever experienced in your life. All right, so let me rewind and read a verse again with all that in mind I, I want us to think about what luke four eighteen says watch this it says the spirit of the lord is upon me watch because he anointed me now, what am i what am i saying here notice this it says he anointed me not who i want to be or who i pretend to be but upon who i really am and who god ordained me to be This is huge, and this will free some of you up. Listen, over the years, I have met so many Christians. Let me just say it this way first before I go into this. I I have seen people that basically underestimate themselves constantly in the kingdom. And then I've seen people over here that constantly overestimate themselves in the kingdom. The healthy spot that brings liberty is in the middle with we come in agreement with what God is saying. So, so let me go to back what I want to say. Over the years, I have seen so many Christians who are either unaware or just plain old dissatisfied with who God has called them to be. Please listen to me, y'all. L- listen, it's like who God wants them to be isn't enough. Man, for six months, I've been praying this, that, that I'm like, God, Why? That that Literally, there's Christians that believe that what God's put on their life isn't enough, that they're not content with their calling, and so they've tried to become an imitation of who they wish they were. Listen, uh, if you want to maybe, I'll get ahead of myself, but jot this down. God only anoints originals, never an imitation. Listen, I have seen over the years gifted singers and gifted musicians try to elevate themselves to a, a spot of being a worship leader. I have watched small group leaders try to become pastors. I've seen businessmen try to become ministers. I've seen ministers try to become businessmen, right, because they want money. I've seen ministers try to become, you know, whatever, other things. Someone, I've watched someone with a good testimony try to become a preacher. I've seen teachers try to be prophets, evangelists try to be apostles, or even this hit the everyday life. Good employees try to uh, to become managers. I've watched... Uh, you know, managers try to become entrepreneurs. Really, the list goes on. It's just like this constant. Uh, in fact, I'll just say this. The word contentment has become a dirty word in the church. They think if you're content, something's wrong. No, something's right. Correct? So, so it's like this. If we're honest, man, it's so easy for all of us, me included, and in part of my six months of praying this is God protect me from this. Is it so easy to have an exaggerated opinion of our calling and our anointing? Therefore, what happens, we try to become more than what we really are. And what, everybody, please look at me right, right here real quick. If we try to become more than who we really are, it becomes really difficult to find your niche in the body of Christ. In fact, if you're constantly trying to become more, it becomes really hard to submit. If you're always trying to become more, it's really, really hard to appreciate and honor others. Why? Because it's always this competitive spirit going on that's leading you, this independent thing that's leading you, and you're always trying to reach something that you'll never be able to get. Why? Because it's not God. Right? So listen, when I think about these people, there's two things that stick out. And I kind of said this, but, but either they... They never reach the pinnacle that they're always trying for, and uh, and and I let me say this: those people who have been trying for ten, fifteen, twenty years, it's, I'm gonna get country on you. It ain't it ain't God that that is uh, holding you. Well, let me rephrase that: it ain't people that's holding you back. Yeah. It's God trying to protect you from yourself. That's why you haven't got the position that you've wanted, right? God will protect us from ourselves. Yes. And, and, and to protect us from ourselves, he protects other people because we would do great damage. Right? The second thing that I've noticed with people is this. To soothe their ambition, they've literally forced and literally kicked down the door so they could become what they wanted to become. But, but here's the thing. In spite of all their efforts, uh, it just didn't work in. There's no fruit. In other words, they've been doing this 20 years and what have they got to show for it? Frustration. Irritation. No peace. Am I making sense, y'all? Something's not working right. And here's, you know, basically here's why. It's because they are trespassing. They're trespassing. Listen, God will only release the fullness of his blessing and the fullness of his anointing when you and I come in agreement with who we are really called to be. In other words, when I understand my natural gifts and I understand my uh, grace gifts and then I understand once again the limitations and the actual calling of that and I'm satisfied, content and I walk in it. If I'm always trying to grab something here, right? Because I'm unsettled, guess what's happening? I'm missing all the lessons that God really wants to make me and I wonder why I'm not a great husband. I wonder why I struggle relationally with people. I wonder why all these things and the reason is it's because I'm so busy trying to grab something that's not of God. I'm missing all the things that are of God and so I'm not growing. Am I making sense? L- listen, uh, you know, so you don't think I'm picking on you. I still remember the, the night when a group of us ministry school students were gathered in Lafayette, Louisiana. And we were in uh, Brown and Gay Cobb's house, right? Big old house, beautiful home. And, and I go off to the side. We've been having like a little Bible study. And they were like, okay, we're going to pray. And I went over there to pray. And I'm praying. And I'm just like, God, oh, right? Do your thing. And I hear the Lord speak to me, Quentin, you're not a revivalist. I was heartbroken. True statement. I was like, have you ever had those times where you where you wanted to rebuke the Lord? <laughs> I couldn't argue because I knew it was God, but man, it gutted me. Absolutely gutted me. Why? Because in my head I saw myself, let's travel the world. Let's preach the gospel. Let's do all these things. And God said, I called you to do that. Listen, I still remember that like yesterday. And I still remember like yesterday when I was in, uh, in, in, uh, Pasadena, Texas, and Kat's cousin prophesied to me and said, you know, I feel like the Lord's called you to be a senior pastor. I feel like, you know, I feel like the Lord's called you to be a senior pastor. And he said, third time, you know, and I'm sure of it. God has called you to be a senior pastor. I wasn't interested. So, so what, what's this over time? Because you recognize when God's really speaking. If you really want to serve God, you'll, you'll come into alignment somewhere, right? And over time, God slowly began to shift my heart. And I, kind of, I had to come into grips. You don't hear a verse today, hear this one. I had to come to grips with what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. He said this, listen. By the grace of God, I am what I am. <laughs> By the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, sometimes when the hardest things in the world, gang is to accept who we really are. Yes? Listen, but I want you to know today this, that when we come in agreement with what God has said, man, there's a great peace and there's great freedom, great freedom that comes in our souls. In fact, it's this. When we come in agreement, we feel zero pressure to prove anything. We don't have to show anybody how clever or how spiritual we are. Man, I'm so tired of seeing Christians run around trying try to impress people with their spirituality. Be normal, please right listen all those unrealistic expectations guess what they lose their stink because once again you're not living for man you're living for god so i'm good right listen when we come in agreement we no longer compare our gifts and anointing with others jealousy loses its hold we're simply at home there's an unexplainable rest there's no striving and guess what happens when all that kind of is settled The anointing begins to function freely without resistance. And most importantly, we begin to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Are y'all hearing me today? So listen, wherever you're at today, please don't underestimate yourself. Same token, please don't overestimate yourself. Hear the heart of God and be satisfied with what he's called you to do. Be satisfied, be content, let God speak to you. Be where your feet are and let God speak to you and he'll do what he does right? He'll use you. So, so let me maybe say this in closing. Everything that we have, kind of bring this in the book in, everything that we have, everything that we will ever do, and everything that we are is simply by the grace of God, right? Listen, every good thing in our lives is a result of God's grace. So you and I, we have one response, God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful, God, right? And so, listen, if you're here today, maybe you need to experience the first grace, the saving grace. It's a great day for it, right? Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, man, I need to overcome some sin. I need the empowering grace to come into my life. Great day for it. Maybe the third thing, third grace, you need to realize your gifts. Great day for it. God will speak to you. And the fourth thing, maybe you're like, man, I'm tired of doing this on my own. I need to come in agreement where the anointing is really flowing in my life and I need to go. Amen? There's a river there in the anointing. Movement is easy. Right? And so let me encourage you in this. Wherever you're at, Acts 13, 43, last verse. This is Paul and Barnabas basically talking to the early church. They said this, that they persuaded them, encouraged them to continue in grace. And if I could add, I want to encourage you today to continue in the fullness of grace. All four expressions. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, I just believe, God, that, that what your word says, God, that it when it goes out accomplishes that for which you sent it. And Lord, I believe today that signs and wonders have the ability to follow your word. And so, Lord, today, if there's anybody in the house today that's not right with you, that doesn't know you, Father, I pray, God, that they would reach out for that saving grace in their own life today. And Father, I pray today, God, if there's anybody here today, God, that's struggling and fighting during that cycle, God, of sin, Lord, I pray that the power of God's grace would really break those sins off their lives. In fact, Lord, in of them, that they would begin to be disgusted and hate that sin. And Lord, thank you for your grace to overcome it. Lord, I pray for us that are in the church. Lord, we know statistics say that 87% of the church doesn't know their purpose. So Lord, I'm asking God in here today that you'd begin to walk around, God, and you'd begin to reveal each grace gift that you've given every person. Father, not the ones that they wish they had, but the ones they really have. And uh, Lord, that's a humbling place to just simply admit, yep, that's me. That's what I have. And, Lord, I pray that they'd be content in it. And, Lord, lastly, Father, I ask, God, like uh, the psalmist said, God, that fresh oil would come upon all of us today. God, that fresh anointing oil would be smeared, rubbed all over us today. God, that you would clothe us with your character and your nature. God, and we could begin to walk, God, as, as you see fit in our lives. And so, Lord, thank you for clarity. And, Father, with all those giftings, Lord, I'm just simply asking, God, for patience. Because you said a man's gifts and a man's anointing will open up doors for them. And so every door that needs to be opened, Lord, in your timing, I pray that you would open it for every single one of these people today.